Welcome to Rough Drafts, how God writes his love in our stories, a podcast that explores the faith journeys of our friends and neighbors in Burns, Tennessee. Everyone has a story to tell. And in this podcast, we'll hear powerful and inspiring stories of how God works in the ordinary lives of people like you and me. Our stories are unfinished and perfectly imperfect. They're just rough drafts, a glimpse of what is to come because God is still at work, writing plot twists, introducing new characters, and bringing good even from the most challenging circumstances. Join us as we see what God is up to in our stories. Here's your host, Matthew Hyatt. Good morning. Thanks for listening to us today. It is a really good day for the Rough Drafts podcast because we have a Burns local legend. Uh, his family has been has been the town of Burns. His family have been mayors, police chief, fire, yeah, public works, coaches, yeah. educators. You guys have done everything. And today's guest is Rusty Grove. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. Actually, my family history goes back to the Tidwell side, to the family, to the uh, Tidwells on my mother's side. A lot of people think my father was kind of here. My father was actually raised in Charlotte. My mother's family was the Wyburns or the Glasses that that goes back to Moses Tidwell is actually my great 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 granddaddy. I thought you were gonna say goes back to Moses. Yeah, no, <laughs> Moses Tidwell, who's who. A lot of people, if you leave, you know, I don't know. There's two or three different stories the way Burns was was named. Uh, if you read a lot of Tom Forehand stuff, he he credits Moses Tidwell for actually naming Burns as one of the founders. So, which story is that, by the way? Uh, it, you know, it's kind of the, you know, talking to Tom that that Moses and, and FF, which was his son, which was was a captain in the Civil War, you know, I don't get into a uh, step on Tom's because, but he he says that, uh, you know, Moses had the inn that was right down here now on Herschel Street. There was, he had a big inn back during the Civil War and he went and fought in the Civil War. His son, Franklin, Ful, Fulton Franklin, was a captain, went up north and got captured. But uh, the story goes that he was in Franklin at the Battle of Franklin when they was coming from New Johnsonville coming up and burning everything along the railroad and that he was a mason and General Burns was uh, General Burns was a mason and he was kind of going up the railroad and, and uh, uh, burning all the towns on the way and that, that he went AWOL from the Battle of Franklin come down here and everything was burned in Burns except Moses' hotel stuff that owes it. So he, he kind of, you know, with him printing two to two together says that he cut a deal with General Burns not to, they was both Masons, not to, not to, hurt, not his to hurt his stuff, not to burn his stuff. And, and when the time come around that he had one of his workers actually suggest the name Burns for General Burns. So it's kind and of There's funny. several different, different stories, you know, yeah. you know, it's kind of got lost in history and translation. There's, there's a couple of different people that argue it back and forth, but hey, I'll take that one. This goes back to my family, LaRoots. I totally, that's a cool story. But so. it goes all the way back to the Tidwell Swiss, you know, but the Tidwells is in Logan and, um, uh, um, that's where the railroad come in out there with the Tidwell switch out past the interstate. My mother, my grandmother was a Wyburn. She was born right there where Wyburn Downs is. Now, there was a farmhouse there with my uncle, Walter Wyburn, which her daddy was named Walter, too, would be my great-great-granddaddy that people around here know it blowed up over time. But there was a house out there, and that's where the Wyburn Downs come from. And my grandmother my, was born right up the road in a log cabin there. But... So my family history goes all the way from about where Middle Tennessee Lumber is now at the interstate all the way back into Burns on my mother's side. So, uh, yeah, but my father was. He was a, he was the chief of police here for from 1981, I think, until 
2006, the mayor from 1987 to 2006, and he served as a, a councilman after that. And actually, when he was passed, he's, he was vice mayor again. So, yeah, I've been around Barnes, you know. I remember his funeral, and it was kind of neat the way they brought out um, you know, the fire equipment and the, you know, it was a tribute to him and all the difference he'd made in this town. Yeah, Daddy was a character. You know, yeah. he, he was, it was different back then. You know, when I was born and raised, we were, I remember when 911 come in. Before 911 come in, everybody in town had the phone number, our phone number, 446-3877. And some of the old timers around Burns just went, oh, I remember that. That was posted on the refrigerator. So our phone rung all night long when I was a kid. If it was fire, police, uh, Miss Avis needed her light bulb changed at 5 o'clock in the morning, yeah. everybody called 446-3877. So my phone, so it was a little different times before 911 come in. So uh, back when Daddy was younger and, and back, you know, he he was really involved. I'll tell a story about Dad that back when he was really on top of his game before Mama got sick and he got older. I remember, I think this is the second or third time he run an election, and I'm not going to say who he run against, but I remember who he run against. But <clears throat> I remember when I was just probably teenage years, um, they closed the election at the well, the, the, old, I, the old city hall to me is across the street over here, but. It had been the fire department, City Hall, when City Hall was at the fire department. And somebody said, Shot, how do you think you done? And he said, I either won 261 to 61 or 262 to 60. And uh, about that time, a few minutes later, they released the votes. He won 262 to 60. <laughs> he said, I got her vote. So whoever her was, he, he wasn't for sure. Somebody. But, I mean, that's kind of amazing to when he was on top of his game back in the time, he had his hand on this town that he knew exactly who voted and how they voted and which way it went. And to. not in some weird, nefarious way, not in a bad way. No, he, he just, just knew, knew his people. people. He knew his people and everybody knew him. Well, more business got done at the gas station over, over coffee in the morning or at Donna's restaurant over coffee. Well, it wasn't no Donna's. It was C&G Country Store then. Right. Mike and May Chandler yeah. and my mother and father owned a store right down below my house on 47th through Mala now. And it was C&G Country Store, Chandler and Grove Country Store. And, uh, uh, yeah, that's what that's what a lot of stuff got done. You yeah. know, he, he was there every morning. Mike was there every morning, and Mom was there. And, and of course, my, I was raised in the old church down here with my uncle Vernon Wyburn and Chunky Brown and Kenny Gibbs. Some of the older people around yeah, here, you know, the, Chunky Kenny Gibbs. Yeah, you know, my uncle Vernon Wyburn lived right across the street here where, where Chip Sullivan lives now. And uh, uh, you know, I, I just I've had fond memories of that old church. Uh, that's what we was kind of brought up in. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Some things, you know, like you said, nine one one changed everything. But one of the things that's cool, still cool about the town of Burns is it's not uncommon for you to see the fire department helping somebody get into their house still, or or fix a light bulb or water a plant. You know, oh, the fire department's always been huge in Burns. Mm -hmm. Always picking huge. When I was a kid, they had the ladies auxiliary, which was a yeah. a, a support group to the fire department. Was the women's part, and and, the, and uh, some of the older the older ladies around. They always been supportive. Uh, it was always kind of a family atmosphere. It was really, you know, I remember the first two firemen they hired probably back in the early 90s, you know, when it's grown to a full-time fire department. But they've always been big and involved in the community. It's really cool. It's really cool. I remember going when um, when Pearl Johnson or Shirley Garten would get locked out of their houses, you know, they'd, they'd just come right on over and help them. That's what they're supposed yeah. to do. You yeah. Know, that, was kind of, that was kind of probably a reflection coming from shots years, you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he was... The people, the old old timers, will remember that you know that that 
if they needed, I he'd take them to the grocery store. Uh, Mama was always there to help them, and the churches was always there to help them. So that that probably goes back from where Shot was the mayor and the chief police for many years, and he hired Kenny Sullivan and the Sullivans and brought them in, and that was just kind of a the the way town was run. Then. Yeah. You know, you had your volunteer firemen in the Chandlers, the Sullivans, uh, the Darties, the Stamper. It, the older families in Burns, I'm I'm leaving out so many people, you know, when you put you on the radio. Oh, yeah. but, That's but, okay. you know, they kind of just took care of each other. And uh, uh, and, and it, it, I, I hate to see it go. You know, I tell them, and I tried, I wish it would have been, but the Burns Elementary School, the old Burns Elementary School that we're sitting on part of the property here now talking where the church is now. When that when that school was open and thriving, and that's where I went to school all my years, I never went to the new Stuart Burns Elementary, but when they removed that school from this community, it kind of took the heart out of the community. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, didn't have, I wasn't working for the city or I wasn't on the county commission when they talked about building the new uh, middle school. But uh, I talked to Tim Potter, which was on the school board, and I talked to Bob Riles, the mayor at that time. I'd really wish they would have put the elementary school back on this property in the and turned the elementary back into the yeah to the uh, turned the elementary back into the middle school, and and I had some support for it, but I couldn't get everybody on board because the people that lived around this school back then really realized how special this school was to this community and how people drawed to it and supported it and uh. You know, the sidewalks was here, and the, the older people was across the streets. Miss Lou, you talked about Miss Pearl. Miss Louise would sit there and greet every kid that come into school, and everybody went through the stop sign down there. Mr. Gentry lived in the house across yeah. the street. Uncle Vernon, which is on the school board over it for years, was right across the street. Aunt Rebecca. Uh, it And everybody supported this school when it was here. And it, it kind of changed the community when they took the school from here and moved it out. A lot of people call it East Side. You know, that's... Yeah. That's kind of the east side part of Burns, and they had to annex that to even make it Burns when they when they put the school out there. So, and now the school's not in the middle of homes. It's not next to the fire hall. It's not next to the churches. You know, it's it's just kind of sitting by itself out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, both schools are, and and, and I understand that when they done it, they hoped the development would come right to kind of develop that area out there. But yeah, uh, it's not a neighborhood. It's not a neighborhood like this. Is. Yeah, you know, and I really believe it changed. I wish. That you or, or some of the people that's moved in here, or the younger people, could could experience. Um, just just the other day, you know, we had our gym vandalized. Yeah, which was no big deal. Uh, but the, you know, you see some comments on Facebook. Oh, it's just paint. It's just people that that grew up in this school, that grew up in this community. You know, I'm probably the last of that generation coming. I'm coming up on fifty years old now. Yeah. That's not just a school to us. That's the last part of of a piece of us. Of an era. Of an era, you know, and we've named it after Mr. Tidwell, Randy Tidwell, who was the gym teacher there for forever, you know, and anybody that's ever went to school here will appreciate Mr. Tidwell and what he done for the kids and, and the area. And so when you vandalize that, it wasn't the point of me going out there and getting a gallon of paint and painting over it. It was the, it was the hey, you kind of took a shot at us, you know. You kind of took a shot at the old people of Barnes, the the people that really still have that pride. And this is just not a place where that happens. No, no, it don't you know? happen. And it, and it shouldn't happen. And 
And, uh, you know, we should we should teach our kids. That's one reason I like to coach. We should teach our kids more about community and respect for each other and respect for taxpayers' money yeah. and, and and buildings and stuff mm-hmm. instead of just, oh, it's just a little fake paint. Somebody go out there and paint over it. Yeah. It's yeah. more than that. It, it, it It's more than that. It's, well, the, the it's kind of home, you know? This is uh, the tragedy of the commons. You know, anymore, if something isn't mine, it's not anybody's. Exactly. You know? So so we don't take care of it. So we throw our garbage out in the street. We just, you know, if it, if it's a common place, it, it gets wasted, but, but know, that's kind of it. That that gym, it, it it is ours. Yeah, and the people that went to school here, that's kind of the last part of our childhood or or our memories to to being. So it, so when you do stuff like that, you do affect people differently than just paint. You know, yeah. it's kind of like it angers some people, but and it should anger. and rightly so. Yeah, you know, because it feel like they took a piece of they've come into their home and done something that mm-hmm. that you know. People that the old type burns people have a lot of pride. Yeah, and and they took a lot of pride in their community, you know, and uh, you know, some of the members that still go here, Mike Chandler, you know, I've heard Mike Chandler say a hundred times, if you ain't from, there's two type of people in Burns, it's the people that live here and the people that want to live here. I mean, yeah. two pe- type of people in the world. Yeah, the ones from Burns and the one that want to be from Burns. I mean, it's a pretty yeah. good place, you know. But that was our, that was what we was raised up, kind of the, the that generation teaching us, you know. Yeah, you know, Burns is special. One of the things that you have in this story, you know, you you sat on county commission, you've been in all these different places, so you have a lot of unique perspectives on this that not everybody gets to have. Um, not too long ago, something pretty significant happened in your life that kind of showed the power of that community again. It uh, did. Yeah. So uh, if you don't mind, I know it's kind of a traumatic story, painful story, uh, but I think people would love to hear it if you're willing to share it. Yeah, you know, the people that know me know I'm pretty hard-headed. <laughs> and, 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 uh, you know, I was raised in a loving home with two good parents. And, uh, I had a mother. The people that remember my mother know that she was probably the, one of the most spiritual, God fearing, Jesus loving women that ever walked the face of the earth, mm-hmm. you know. And, and I tell everybody, she taught Rusty right from wrong, but didn't mean I'd done it. You know, right. I, I've always been on that side where, you know, I think everybody, I know the Bible, and and I've heard the Word of Jesus all my life. Like I said, in this old church over here, you know, I got out and I kind of went to went to college. And, and uh, if you want your if you want your religion tested, take a philosophy course when you're 18 years old in college. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. And, and then you kind of go out and experience things, and you you have your ups and downs in life, and. and and I'm gonna talk to everybody here because I, hey, anybody that knows me knows that I'm not. I, I've I've done it all. There's not a sin that I've not committed. Uh, there's not times I've not questioned is there a God? You know, does this make sense to me? Am I here on this earth to be somebody's puppet? Puppet? I, I'm. I probably overthink everything. Um. I, so. Well, what am I trying to say? I, I want people to understand that I'm not here. I'm here trying to find my way in life. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, and two years ago, September 1st, two years ago, just just messed the tragedy. You know, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, everybody. I, I worked. A, I work for the Parks and Recs Department. I'm the Parks and Recs Director for the City of Burns. I've also got the title of Streets and and Maintenance. And I've got three of them jobs and that it's really a part time job that when I agreed to take it, I said I don't want a full time job because I own a I own a bail bond company and I own an armed guard security company. Uh, I drive a school bus. 
I coached softball and football for the Burns Middle School. Uh, so I never wanted a full-time job with the city. When the city had the parts problem, and, and people remember, it, it got kind of be a mess. It couldn't get developed and it couldn't get finished, and the state was on them. They was finding us. Mayor come to me and asked me, you know, he knew I was involved in ball and, and travel ball and softball. He, he needed something to get the park finished and, and to bring in some revenue for the city. So he come to me and asked me if I would take over the parks department, which I did, which somehow led into streets and maintenance. I, I don't know how, but it <laughs> That's has. no good deed goes unpunished. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, but I love Burns and I don't do it for the money. If people right. knew what I made for doing that yeah i'm a part-time physician i think it's twenty thousand dollars a year and i work about 70 to eighty thousand dollars 80 70 to 80 hours a week right so it's not about money with me right it's about i wanted to get burns right i wanted to fix the park i wanted to do some things to the city to make it better uh, i was moving a tractor on september 1st right after lunch from city hall to the new ballpark because i was they had a tournament or something going on that weekend i wanted to mow the right of ways and around the, the rough stuff around the edge of the ballpark and I pulled over in front of the church, which I'm going to say the old beer joint because most people right here knows that most of my life it was Bill's Den or Tim's too or, or Betty's place. But, you know, I had pulled over right there to let all the traffic go around me. And and when I started off, the last thing I remember is kind of starting off that hill right before Mr. Beasley's driveway, right in that curve. And, and uh, you know, the next thing I knew, I, I, I woke up and I knew I was in serious uh, – I knew I was hurting and I was hot and I couldn't move my arms and my legs. And I was kind of laying on the center line looking back up the hill. And I could see the tractor laying in the ditch upside down and the car laying beside of it, the SUV laying upside down beside of it. And uh, some kid was panicking pretty bad. And he he was asking, I was asking him to help me up. And he was like, you can't move, you can't move. And he's like, can I put my shirt under your head? And I, I remember my face was burning because it took all the hide off my face and and telling them, yeah. But I kind of went out again, you know. And um, I woke up again, and, and Chief Hope was with me. Jerome Hope. Yeah, Jerome. Me and Jerome have been knowing each other most of my life, 35 years probably. <laughs> and uh, I, I remember asking Jerome, Jerome, help me up, get me up, you know. And, and Jerome said, Rusty, you can't get up. And uh and I, I remember thinking, am I paralyzed? Because I couldn't move nothing. Yeah. I was trying to move, but I couldn't move. And I couldn't see what was going on. And I was like, get me up. And he said, you can't get up. And uh, I said, well, am I going to be okay? And Jerome kind of looked up in a way, and he, he was like, you, you just hang in there. Just hang in there. And I said, no, Jerome looked me in the eyes. Mm-hmm. And, and when Jerome looked me in the eyes, you know, his eyes wheeled up with tears kind of, and, and – uh, I said, Jerome, am I going to be okay? And uh, me, he didn't say yes. You know, he, he couldn't say nothing really. And by that, his look in his eyes, me knowing Jerome and knowing what he's seen in his life, I knew I was in bad shape. And uh, so I asked Jerome, I said, Jerome, I need you to do me a favor. And he said, anything. And I said, I want you to tell my girls I love them. Hmm. And I'm sorry. Uh. I remember him kind of saying, don't worry, I will, I will. And, and I, everything just went black again. And when it went black this time, and I remember it just like I'm sitting here talking to you. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's edged into my memory vividly. <clears throat> I can almost feel it and see it and smell it and think it. While I get to think about it, everything went black like in for a second. Then I kind of 
everything I saw myself, I was like hovering over myself and I saw myself kind of laying there and I didn't have no bones. Like it was like I was looking at myself in a funny mirror. Like a, like if you've ever been to a fair yeah. and your face is stretched oh, out, it's like, and- yeah, it was, it was there, but it was like I didn't have no bones, no mass. It was just skin and, and I thought, well, that's weird. You know, I was trying to process information. And that's what I do. I process information, you know. And uh, then everything went black. I mean, just pissed black as you could get it. And uh, it was an intense pressure. A very intense. But I, I, I knew I, it's like I didn't have no body anymore. It was like I, I knew I was, I was atoms and molecules and just... I wasn't a in human form. I was in form, but I wasn't like skin and bones. I was just, and it was, like I said, I couldn't see nothing, but it was intense pressure, and it was pushing me through this space. And everything on the right of me was intense pressure, pain, screaming, hurting. There was people, I don't know what they were, cussing, t- torture on the right. It was like everything to the right, but everything on the left was very peaceful. And it was it was simultaneous. It was, it was at the same time. And, and I remember clearly thinking, if it's eternity, this is going to suck. But Zach words. I mean, if this is eternity, this is sucking. I mean, I, I knew I was in bad shape. I knew I was dying. I mean, and I was going through something. And, uh, you know, and, and all of a sudden, I just popped open into this beautiful place. And, and people ask, well, I don't know what it looked like. I don't. I can't tell you, I can't describe trees or rainbows or golden streets, but it was just beautiful, and it, it felt like nothing you've ever felt on this earth before. I mean, I can't describe how good it felt. I can't give you an analysis. Hey, it's, compare it to this. There's nothing to compare it to. I just remember thinking, oh, my God, I, this is awesome. This is this is amazing. And it was there was a, like a light kind of it wasn't really like a bright light it was like just lighter that way and it was and i was kind of like floating through space I, I couldn't like see myself or nothing i just knew i was a being and i was like floating through this space and it was like beautiful and it was it was un, it was unbelievable how good it felt and uh, it's like no gravity pull nothing on your it was just it was it was ecstasy time a million and and uh, it pushed me to this space, and all of a sudden I looked to my left, and there was my grandmother and grandfather Glass, and uh, they was young, you know. And I, my papa died when I was like, I think he died in eight. I was five years old when he died, so I never really got to know the man. My granny died while I was a little bit older. I was in my probably close to thirty, <clears throat> but they was young, and I knew exactly who they was. You know, it wasn't really like a picture I've seen. It was just I knew who they was. They was young, like at twenties, early twenties. And they was just sitting there smiling, you know, and, and they was they was happy. And they just looked at me and smiled, and I was like, oh, well, that's weird. You know, I think, that's weird. You know, that's my granny and grandpa. Yeah. Well, it pushed me on up a little bit farther, and I was trying to process information. All of a sudden, there was my dad. You know, my dad was older when he had me. He went to the military, had a previous life, spent 20 years in the Navy, come home, retired, went to work sheriff's department, then had me. You know, he was in his 40s when he had me. And my dad was standing there. He was young. He was like in his 20s. Looked good, fit, healthy. Didn't look like the same man I had ever known. But I knew it was my dad. And uh, he said, son, don't worry. We're here for you. Mm. And, I, and I didn't say nothing back to him for some reason. I don't know why I didn't. I didn't. But he was smiling. He was happy. And 
And I continued on, you know. Then I got to the end, and it was like a big problem. And my mother was standing there. And uh, when my mother died, she was 59 years old, but she looked 99. She'd been ate up with breast cancer, and, and she and she was just a whole shell of who she was. She she was just skin and bones. Went to, the last time I saw her, just, you know, not, nothing like the mother I knew I grew up with. But <clears throat> when I got there, this woman was young and beautiful and happy like in her 20s, you know, and and just smiling and, and just glowing with excitement. And uh, she held her arms out for me to take her arms. And I said, Mother, I said, I can't leave my girls, you know. And she was like, your girls are going to be fine. And I was like, no, I can't leave my girls. And and she was like, no, bro, you rest, you got to trust me. Your girls are going to be fine. And anybody know my mom, mom, I couldn't, I was trying to process why are you telling me this? Because her kids was her life. Yeah. Her grandkids was her life. Uh, I remember one of the last things mama ever said when I was, she was laying up on in, in the hospital and, and I went, I was, we was speaking a little bit and Peyton, my oldest daughter was nine years old at the time. And she, she said, Rusty, she said, I don't mind dying. She said, I'm going to go home and be in Jesus' arms. Mm -hmm. She said, but I'm going to miss seeing Peyton grow up. I'm going to yeah. miss seeing my grandbabies grow up. And um, so it, it was confusing to me why she was telling me it was okay to leave my girls, knowing how she felt about her kids and how she wanted to be there so hard for us, but she's telling me it's okay, you know. And I, I was trying to think, why was she telling me this? And we was arguing back and forth because anybody knows me, knows I'm going to argue. You know, I'd argue with the signpost. You, be, you be half dead, you're still yeah, arguing. Yeah, I'm still going to argue, you know. And then then all of a sudden, man, I woke up. Bam, like all of a sudden. And, and you know, I was at the sheriff's department. I've been around the fire department. I've been around. Whole, and I knew this guy from Lifelight was laying on top of me. I was like, I was looking straight in this guy's eyes, and he was like on me. And he was panicking. He was like, I'm sorry, Mr. Grove. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And, and I was like, oh, I don't know what you're sorry about. <laughs> uh, you know, and I was trying to wake up, and he, he pushed me up in a live flight. And, and when I was going to Nashville, I was I was in and out. And I kind of remember the flight going in and out and in and out. Landed in Nashville, and I remember it's just like they said, you know. It's just like you see on TV. Like They dropped me in on Nashville. I landed. Doctors, I had two doctors on my head, two doctors on my hip, two doctors on my feet. They're screaming and hollering at each other, and they're back and forth, and I'm – all I'm asking is I'm going to live. I want nobody asking me, yeah, hey, am I going to live through this? You know, I remember saying, hey, am I going to die? Am I going to, you know, uh, and nobody would answer me. Well, that happened about lunchtime on a Wednesday. And uh, they couldn't operate on me till Thursday morning, probably about 10 or 11, best I can remember been told. It's because I had no blood pressure. You know, I, I dropped my blood pressure, dropped, and from the stents of my injuries, you know, I had my – my left leg, it, it was it was fractured pretty bad. My bones was hanging out my left leg, my right leg, my hips. I had a puncture wound in my stomach, broke my jaw, my eye socket, my arm, my elbows. Had a concussion, fractured my skull. Just just a few, just to name a few things. I you mean, know, I mean, I can go. You didn't have a part of your body that, that wasn't broken. Yeah, I broke everything in from my hips down to my feet, on my and everything on the right side of my body. Uh, my left side was spared somehow, but um, but I remember laying there in the hospital all night, and and of course it was during COVID, couldn't have no visitors, couldn't, and I would, I didn't need no visitors, but I was in the intensive care, intensive care unit, but 
every once in a while I'd wake up and I'd look and they'd have me, I was just screaming in pain because imagine all my bones and stuff are still hanging out of my body because I can't do nothing with me. And uh, uh, this woman would rub me on the face and she said, Mr. Grove, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but that's the only way we can keep you alive. And well, they'd get me out and I'd go back to sleep. And if you, you seem like just right, I don't know how many times they've done it, but they continued to do it all night long. They'd jack me up. My, they had me in a sheet like, and they'd pull my feet up over my head. And, like, so you're laying in the bed and they'd, they'd like pull your legs up. Yeah, like take my body and like, like my head, my legs and hips and my chest, everything was elevated. And um, so I, I didn't know it at the time, but after I went through surgery, you know, a week or two later, I started getting my bearings. I was in the hospital, and the doctor coming there one day, cutting up and carrying on. He said, uh, how you doing? I said, I'm all right. I said, I'm still looking for that guy that was pulling my head, my legs up over my head. I said, if I get walking, I'm going to come and find him. I was kind of <laughs> doing it joking, you know. Yeah, but that didn't feel real good. No, it hurt. I, and he said, uh, well, that's the only, that guy saved your life. He said, what that's called is shocking your system. And he said, uh, Anytime you, your blood pressure and everything stops, your heart stops, everything, you, you lose complete blood pressure. He said, what we do is we raise everything up, and it rushes all the blood back to your heart and your brain. Kind of turns it back on. Everything will kind of turn it back on. It's like when you turn your phone off and back on because right, it ain't working. Right, anymore. because, you know, all your blood pressure is gone, so the only way they can do it is get it get that blood rushed back to you to try to keep you alive. So that's the only way we can keep you alive. He says, so don't be too mad at that guy. I guess that's one way to put that in perspective. Right, right. It was. And, you know, so I stayed up for a few weeks, and, you know, then I got ornery because that's what I do, and that's 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 who I am. And me and the nurses up there, you know, we got to fighting pretty hard, and I didn't like them. I don't think they liked me because, you know, I was broke every bone in my body, and I had and, and my legs, they never would sew them up. They wanted the bones to heal from the inside out, the wounds, because they're so massive. Uh, and they was wanting me to – I'm six foot four, about 230 pounds, and they was wanting me to – Learn how to use a slide board with one arm. Yeah, couldn't touch nothing. Couldn't use my right side. Couldn't use my leg. Couldn't move. But they want me to try to get in out of the wheelchair. Well, I got I sold up like like an old mule, like I do. And a doctor finally come in there one day. He asked me. He said, "What what are you gonna do?" I said, "I'm getting out of here." He said, "Where are you gonna go?" I said, "I don't know. You tell me." So he gave me a list of hospitals, and and Dixon was one of them. It was a, it was a TriStar Horizon. It was a and and Skyline's a TriStar. That's the life like that took me. I said, take me home. Take me to Dixon. And, uh, hey, these girls down here, Dixon, these guys, they was as good as gold to me. It, it was, uh, I'll never say nothing bad about Dixon Hospital, and I'll probably wrestle in the street if you do, because <laughs> it changed my life. Yeah. The day I left there and the day I come to Dixon, I had no hope. And the, the way they treated me down here in this hospital for the time I was here, uh, I owe my dad a gratitude and, and, uh, the nurses, everybody, you know, and there are some amazing nurses. In but, hey, you know, you, unless you know, unless you've ever, ever been into a situation where you can't take care of yourself, you don't understand what nurses do for people. Right. You know, you take a lot of things in your life for granted. But let me get back to my story. Then we're going to go into nurses because I, I talk about nurses and doctors <laughs> all day now. So, uh, you know, like I said, it, when I come home, finally, they had me a hospital bed set up in my living room for us. Uh, you know, all the paramedics and the firemen, and I'm friends with all them people, the mayor, and police chief, everybody come to my house that day. And we was all sitting around kind of telling the story, what they done for me, how they, what what I done, what I remember. And we was just kind of sitting around talking, and I was laying in that bed. And, yeah, and uh, Mr. Ashworth told me, he said, yeah, you was in bad shape. He said, your blood pressure had dropped from 70 over 40 to 
50 over 30. He said, we was trying everything we could do in the ambulance to work on you. He said, we put you on life flight. He said, we was trying to get you on life flight. Doctor said, get him on life flight. And, and I said, yeah, that's about when I woke up. I said, I remember this guy from life flight. He said, oh, yeah, they dropped you on your head. <laughs> they dropped you? Yeah. How about I got a video, and I got the video of it. Well, they was out here on the old ball field, and when the guy went to push me up, his, his life flight's pretty high. Them helicopters yeah. are higher than you think. When he went to push me up, his feet slipped out from under him, and it slammed me down on, slammed me down. That's why he's doing laying on top of me, and, and I, I was straight up and down. Then I, then that's when I realized the power of God. And you got to stay with me a minute because I, I've told people what after when I tell this story, what was I doing when I said I woke up? I was arguing with my mama, telling her I wanted to live. Yeah. Told her I wasn't ready to go. How did they keep me alive in the hospital all night long? Lifting those legs. Doing me on my head. How many people get dropped on their head by life flight? <laughs> Not many. God give me a chance to come back. I fought for my life. As good as that felt, as good as being dead felt, I'd never been more alive but I wanted to come back on earth for my kids. I wanted to come back to this hell that we live every day. Because I wanted to fight from, I wanted to be with my kids. I knew they needed me. So God's, God, there's no doubt in my mind, he dropped me on. He said, if that man wants to go be with his kids, I've got purposes for him. I'm going to use him. I'm going to drop him on his head, bring him back to life. So, so how has this changed how you how you parent how you live how, how are you living out this I'm here to be here for my kids what's what's that looking like you know I'm still trying to figure it out yeah uh, I love that I mean that's such a great answer it's I, I you don't have it all figured out I don't have it figured out I still hey I still like to go out I'm not gonna sit here and tell you anybody knows me knows I still like to go out and drink a beer yeah everybody knows me knows I'm single I, I uh, my weakness of mine is beautiful women I'm not gonna sit here and lie I, I'm a I, but I'm trying to figure out my life right now, you know, and I, and, uh, I went through some rough times and, you know, I, I when that happened in September and I was pretty much crippled until about February or March where I was walking on a walker with a stick. Cause how long were you in the two hospitals again? Six weeks, I think. Six and they weeks. They sent me home. It took me 14 weeks to stand up again. It took me about six more weeks to learn how to walk again step and, and and that's an unusual part you don't walk and you lose all your muscles you got to run learn to rewalk and uh hey and it's faster than you learned to walk the first time it probably took you till you were one or two to you learn to walk the first probably, time yeah <laughs> that's probably right but it wasn't no it was more painful that's right you know and and so i remember you know for for eight ten weeks uh my ex-wife at the time and my kids and my girlfriend they all pissed in they was having to take me to the bathroom i couldn't go to the bathroom and, and I, that's the most humbling experience for a powerful man for for two two and a half months not to be able to go to the bathroom by yourself yeah you know that's that's a humble total dependence on someone else hey it is if you've never had your health taken away you you don't know how fortunate we are every day just to get out of bed and it happened just like that. Just like so that. Fast. Yeah, everybody knows me. I'm active. I'm gone. I'm working. I'm athletic. I'm on foot. You're on your way to cut the grass. Yeah, I was on my way to cut the grass. And and if you want to be humbled, have your health took away. Mm. Have your feet took away. Yeah. And have to depend on somebody else 
to help you go to the bathroom. Yeah. And I remember sitting on a toilet one night in my house crying because I had, I had to get my uh, my ex-wife to, at that time I could move a little bit, but I couldn't use my legs. And what we would do, my wheelchair wouldn't fit in my bathroom. Mm. So Carol Sullivan at that time had brought me an office chair from the city hall and, and they would slide me over in the office chair and roll me down in there and roll me beside the beside the toilet. Then I would have to get the slide board, slide yeah. up. It was a process, put my legs in a certain thing. It was, and I remember I remember saying to myself, God, one night about 2.30 in the morning, God, if you'll ever let me go to the bathroom by myself again, I will never complain about anything. And sometimes I have to remind myself of that. People say, how did you do? That's great. Because I have to remember, I have to take myself back to that night at 2.30 in the morning and the promise I made God that if you'll ever let me go to the bathroom by myself again, I'll never complain about anything. And friends, if you're listening and you're not from Burns and you don't know Rusty, I want to tell you something. He drove a truck here and he walked into the office without a limp, basically. Yeah, you know, I, I have my I hurt. I mean, I, I have to take medicine, work, and I have good days and have bad days. And I'll be like that for the rest of my life. I got steel rods in both legs. My hips are wired together. And I got a steel rod running through my pelvis. Uh, but I ain't letting it slow me down. That's you know, right. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go till I can't go. And uh, I made a promise to God that I, I'm gonna do the best I can. But go back to figuring it. I can't figure. I, I don't know because I, I know. You know. Let's go back to now. Let's go. Let's fast forward it. So I'm all, I'm always thinking, you know, and I I've, my whole life I'm like y'all I'm 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 just so then I got I, I knew my relationship with God I knew that I had a relationship with God I knew I had to figure out what it was going to be and I'm still trying to figure out what it's going to be but it rolled around to about March or April and I was thinking why am I here for what am I here for why am I here for and you know and so the election rolled around. And somebody, one of my friends come talk to me and said, why don't you run for county commissioner in District 11? And I said, you know what? But I still wasn't able to get up and go to church yet because I can't sit, I can't sit long at times. And I was like, yeah. So, so I, um, I said, I want to do it. I said, maybe that's what God wants me to do, help serve my community. Yeah. Do more. But then I got, when I got to feeling better, I thought, I can't go to church now. Everybody say the only reason he's going to church because he's running for office. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, that's yeah. A, that's a reg- that's the way I think. You know, I get it. I don't want people saying, "Oh, the hypocrite." Only re- he's just trying to get church vote. Yeah, and and so I, I would sit at house and I'd worship myself. You know, I was trying to figure my way out. For, well, then last October I went back to the hospital for a little for a little. Uh, well, I got elected, and I was getting around pretty good. And then last October I went to the hospital to have a little operation supposedly a little make my knee a little bit better my leg a little bit better because it, it tore my whole knee out and it set up a septic infection mm. and it about killed me it was close and uh it's the worst it was worse than the wreck oh wow honestly and i remember sitting at my house thinking i don't care what people think no more i know i need to be baptized i know i need to give my life to jesus because all these prayers for God to help me is going on deaf ears. I'm not stupid. He's given me a chance to live. But my prayer don't mean nothing until I give my life to him. Oh, wow. And uh, my kids was there. My ex-wife was there. And, and I was as in much pain as I've ever been in my life. This was probably about the 1st of December. I was still trying to cover from inspection. Tried to get a hold to you. I think you was out partying someplace. I was. <laughs> 
you Jeff know, Koons came over, didn't he? Little Jeffrey come over. Yeah. And uh, and he baptized me in my living room mm-hmm. with my kids. That was pretty cool. And, uh, greatest day of my life, you know? Yeah. And and uh, now I know God and talk to God in prayer. Yeah. You know? And 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 uh, now I'm trying to figure it out, you know? And, and I want to be a good leader, and I want to lead in this community, but I want to do it the right way. Yeah. I want to do it with God as my example, and I want God to lead me so I can lead this community. Well, we were talking the other day that it can't just be us. We we try to force things, and we try to make them happen. We try to figure it out and plan and hustle. But if it's not God doing the stuff, that's right. God's not in it, it's nothing. Yeah, every time I've tried to force things, and I've done that my whole life. Anybody knows I'm hard-headed. I've tried to force my way into doing what I want to do. And make. You can justify anything in your head to make it right. Don't make it right. No, but people kill like people it. and they justify it in their head. Exactly. You know, people people commit sins every day and they justify it in their own head. You can justify anything, and, and that's something I've learned is I can justify anything. I can go out here and sell anything. Yeah. But is it right? Right. And and, and I want to be a better leader. I want to be a better coach. You know, I, I got a lot of young people's hands on my hands on them. Yeah. I drive a school bus. I coach football. I coach softball. What kind of leader do I want to be? Do I want to cuss and drink? And I like to drink a beer every now and again. I got to get away from it, though. You know, I do. Or when when I every night when I go to bed, I pray now, and the last thing I say is, "Jesus, use me as an example to get to you." Mm-hmm. However, you need to use me. Let the people that I can touch and impact their life every day stop my ways because I know I'm not a people person. Believe it or not, I had to fight it. I don't like people. I understand that more than you would believe. You know, I'm not really a... People get on my nerves. I'm an introvert. You yeah. assume because I stand up in front of a room and talk, but that exhausts me. Yeah. If I want to go to my happy place, I'm going to go be by a creek by myself. Right, you know? right. That's me, you yeah. know, and, and, and I'm not one of these... I'm a doer. I'm not one of these people just... And and people laugh at me when I tell them this. I can't stand people complain. Yeah. But if anybody's got a complaint burnt, they call me. I yeah. mean, lucky dog. Yeah, I did. I mean, it, it don't matter. We make they make fun of me at the city. It don't matter if your house, if you need yard needs mowing, if you got a pothole, the pot, trash, it don't matter. Call Rusty. You know, he'll take care of it. Yeah, they put Rusty in charge of everything nobody else wants to do. Exactly. And, and I don't know why they done that because I don't like people. <laughs> so and and I realized that in myself, and I, I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to learn to be a Christian because I lived 47 years not being one. Not that I didn't know how, not that I hadn't been taught, not that my mother didn't show me the right way, not that I didn't have leaders and men in my life growing up that lived their life like Christians. It's because I wanted wanted to be a hellion. I wanted to do what I wanted, how I wanted, when I wanted, with whoever I wanted. But there's a difference between hearing it and talking about it and seeing other people doing it and actually doing it yourself. I love the way you just said that. I'm trying to... To learn to be a Christian. Yeah, it's hard, you know. And, and, you know, when a kid learns to walk, you don't make fun of the kid for falling over because they just haven't learned yet. Right. You know, they get better as they go. And I think sometimes the thing church has done wrong is we expect people to become a Christian and just like that be perfect. And that's one of the reasons you get all this judgmental stuff going on. You know, I, I don't expect anybody in this church to be perfect because I haven't figured out how to be perfect. Right. I mean, you know. Maybe if I ever figured it out, I can start yelling at you, but I don't see that happening anytime right. soon. Like, it, it just not how it works. Yeah, there's so. only one perfect man, right? Yeah. That was Jesus Christ. So, um, But, you yeah. know, the, the process, that it 
it's slow sometimes, it's painful sometimes, it sucks sometimes. But don't give up on the process. No, I'm not. It's a huge answer. I want to continue my growth in, in the leadership and in the community, but I've made a commitment to myself and God that if I grow in, in a leadership role, I want to do it with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I want to be an example somehow. I just got to figure out how, how to do it. When and where. How, when and where, and, and, and what my place is in life. Um, well, I look forward to seeing where that ends up. I me think too. that'll be interesting. Me too. You know, hey, A few minutes ago, you were going to say something about nurses. Yeah, you know, but people... People, nurses are angels. Yeah, they are. And uh, man, I was in that hospital for for during the COVID, and and people say COVID, whatever they want about COVID. Yeah, it, it, you know, I was there and I lived it. And they had an alarm down here when I was in Dixon, and I, it was some kind of code something. I don't remember exactly what the code was. And um, I asked my nurse one night. I said, "What is that?" And she had a tear in her eye. I said, "What? What's wrong?" She's like, "Codes." I said, what's wrong? She said, well, somebody just died. That's a COVID unit. And it was real. And I got to think of how many times a day I heard code. I made them shut my door because I knew somebody's life was over. And not, you know, hey, my life is over. That's fine. Yeah. I'm going to be okay. I, I've been there. But when somebody dies, we don't, we've, we've got, well, we don't appreciate human life. I don't believe like we should because it affects a lot of people. Yeah. People love you. People care about you. Painful. Somebody's life, if I die today, my girls are going to hurt for a long time. There's people around me that love me and care about me. It's going to change their life. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking how many times I heard that code and what them nurses live every day. Mm-hmm. They deal with people every day at the worst point in their lives. They had to bathe me. They had to carry me to the bathroom. And they done it with care, with kindness, respect, Like I said, if you never had your your health took away, where you had to 100% depend on somebody else, you've never been humbled. That's true. And uh, like I said, I had to remind myself every once in a while that I made God a promise I'll never complain about anything because I can go to the bathroom by myself. That's right. That's how simple it is. So every day we can get up and get blessed. You know, I I listened to one of your podcasts yesterday. A good friend of mine, Randy Fuquay. He is amazing. He is amazing, you know. And 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 I was fortunate enough to get the city council to back me to name the T-ball field after Braxton. That was so cool. And um, think about it. Think about we're most of us, and 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 I'm talking about it because somebody's going to listen to this today and say, you know, I'm going through that now. You're not talking about me. But any day we can get out of bed, we can go to work, we can see our family. And we're not sitting in a children's hospital somewhere watching one of our loved ones or our children or somebody die slow. It's a day to rejoice and, and thank God. You know, every day is a day to thank God. But look how blessed we are every day just to get up and not have to experience that. You're going to get me started preaching here, so you might, you might regret this. But one of the things, it seems like, I don't know if it's politics or just the devil or what, but it seems to me like our world is pissed off all the time everybody is angry our society is like somebody threw a rock at a hornet's nest and if you don't like who i voted for you yell at me and if you cut me off in traffic you yell at me and if you don't bag my groceries right at kroger you yell and there's just in fact some of that's even bled into church just to be real honest i've dealt with more stupid complaints in the years since covid than i did all the years of ministry combined before them um you're a man and you know scripture better than me but i believe i've read in the bible somewhere 
that before the in Revelations maybe that the world will be inherited by the meat. Yeah, the meat the will inherit the earth. So you think about what social media Ooh. has done. The social media has given the meek and the few a voice. Mm. And uh, so we don't celebrate our brightest and smartest and strongest yeah. and best athletes no more because the meek with social media has a platform. And well, people are famous for being famous, not right. because they've done any good in the world. Any good. And, 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 and people say all the time, our leaders are scared to lead. Mm -hmm. And I have this I have this conversation with our leaders at the county commission at school board here lately a lot because they're scared of fifteen people on Facebook. Yeah. There's thousands of you've got nine thousand over nine thousand kids in our school system. And I'm hey, I'll throw myself out there. I don't care. I don't care who likes what I have to say right here. I don't I didn't know Danny Weeks. Oh, let's yeah. bring up Danny Weeks. Okay. Okay. I didn't know who Danny Weeks really was before a year and a half ago. I'd heard this. I'd heard that. I'd heard it. My last year and a half, I've got to work Danny Weeks. Yeah. I've got to know Danny Weeks. Danny Weeks is a Christian. Danny, I never went around Danny Weeks that I didn't want to be a better human being. Yeah. I, they, there's people that say things about him that's not true. Okay, let's let, – and, and I'll address it because I'm on the county commission. I get the audit yeah. report. First thing they said is he took a hundred something thousand dollars. No, he didn't take a hundred something thousand dollars. The state audit come back and said uh, that the county, the school board approved it, but it should have went to the county commission. Okay, is this grant from the state of Tennessee? If it would have come to the county commission, Bob Rye would have went all in favor and motion second, all in favor, approved. Next business. That's how fast it would have took. Yeah. So you're talking about a technicality. And what happens that, is people start these things on Facebook. Right. And they yeah. just... And they're uninformed. And they have a kernel of truth. They have a number they hear. They have an idea they hear. And, and you know, the thing is, whether you agree with policies or not, you got to remember there's a human being on That's the it. other side of this stuff. That's it. Then, then they took, let's go to the 13500 Yeah. It was a grant. It wasn't for education. It wasn't for our kids. It wasn't going into anything else that, that the state offered or the federal, whatever it was. I have to look back and look now to for educate for him and the other leaders to take advanced education and get this grant. He told the school board they didn't realize they had to vote on it. All it would have took was them say, "Hey, I need a vote." Yes, sir. I second. All approved. Yeah. But but now he's a thief. He's not. But what disappoints me is, and I, I will tell you what disappoints me right here. If we have good Christian leaders in our community, you got a good Christian leader there, and nobody stood up and said, that's wrong. They've let that man get beat up. They've let people talk about him. Hey, you're, anytime a man is in that position, he's got 9,000-something kids. That's, what, 18,000 parents, grandparents. <laughs> yeah. You're ahead of all the teachers. You're ahead of all the transportation, the bus the drivers, the cafeteria, the sports. Kids. He's the largest CEO in our county. Do you think you're going to make everybody happy? No. But nobody stands up and lets our Christian leaders, and nobody fights for him. And even just on another basic principle like this, we're all real quick to say, I don't like it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you don't. Ever, nobody ever calls the sheriff to say, man, I appreciate your guys who patrol every day. That's it. You know, we say, you didn't patrol my street enough, or I don't like your speed trap, or I don't, you know, so we're all so quick to just point out the flaws whether they're real or not, right. we see the negative, and that's all we want to... Sheriff Page is a good man. Yeah. 
Sheriff Lee tries to live a good life. We'll support people like yeah. that. You know what I'm saying? Get to know them. Mm-hmm. Don't just sit back and judge because anytime you're in a position of leadership, I tell people all the time, they say, how hey, do you like the county commission? Well, I don't like it sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Because there's two sides to every story. Right. And when you sit down and you try to communicate each side with Joe and, and John, both of them make sense sometimes. Yeah. I'm like, well, Joe makes sense. Well, you know, John makes sense too, but I got to vote with one of them. I got to do one of them. I got to do something. So it's really harder. We're not just over there saying, well, just because we voted with Joe don't mean Joe paid us off. Right. Or just because Joe's John don't mean we're crooked. It's if if you sit there and you try to do a good job, it's going to bother you sometimes because you're really trying to do your best, but you got to make a decision. You know, the chamber puts on Leadership Dixon, and I did that. uh, I guess I did it 2019 through 2021. We were the slow class because COVID happened in the middle of it. It took us an extra year to finish. But that program was so good for me, not not particularly because of anything it taught us about leadership. You know, it didn't say how to give a good speech or how to manage, you know, a budget. But because it introduced me to all these people that you only see in sound bites on the news or you hear snippets about on Facebook. Right. So, you know, um, having... Having had the time to to look a lot of our county commissioners in the eye, shake their hand, and say, "Hey, I'm Matthew," um, and then you you get a chance to know people, right? And you know, I I don't want to say a bad thing about Bob Ryle because I've shook Bob Ryle's hand. I, I could say something bad about Ryle. I had to work with him. No, I'm kidding, Bob's my brother. Okay, I'll, I'll say yeah. something mean about Cindy Gray then. Yeah, you know? uh, yeah, Cindy's a good one. Hey, but uh, yeah, you're right that. I wish it's, everybody had to meet the people they right, talked about. Exactly. Because like I said, I really had a preconceived notion of Danny Weeks. Yeah. Because I really didn't know the man. Yeah. But after I got to know that man, I thought, this is a good human being. Whether you agree with his policies or not. Right. He's a good human being. And, and let's attack the bad policy, not the human. No, exactly. Let, let's learn how to do that again. Exactly. You know, let's say, I don't think this is the right answer. And here's my reason why. Or let's just have the humility to walk in and say, hey, I don't understand this. Could you help me see why you think this is the best course? Exactly. And, you know, it might be, oh, wow, this makes a lot of sense when somebody explains it. You're exactly right. And, yeah. and I'm glad you said that. And I hope that people can It's like, you know, I've had people tell me, uh, who go run for mayor next time? Well, I don't know who would want the job. Well, Bob said he's not running. Uh, who would want the job? Well, you mean that's a good job. He makes a hundred thousand dollars a year, hundred ten, twenty, whatever. Hey, you want to make three hundred? He's the largest CEO of our county. Yeah. Anybody that's qualified for the job is probably making more money than that, and they don't got to get on Facebook and get their family beat up every week. You know, what I'm saying? I, I've so, always said anybody who is qualified to be president wouldn't do it, oh, and anybody who wants to do it shouldn't. Right? Know? Exactly, because you don't want to put yourself out there. Yeah. Because I mean, I, I can go. You can be the CEO of a bank or any of these big factories over here. People that's qualified are making more money than that, and they ain't got to worry about every decision being. Hey, I remember growing up, man. Every election was stressful on my me. Uh, my daddy's like, you know, he yeah. run every two years. At that time, he run nine elections. Thinking, I, I just remember as a kid how stressful that was, or, or the the back and forth when he'd do something in the paper, mama him, and people talk. You know, elected officials are not only they think they worry that they 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 hear what you're saying, but their family and their kids and their yeah. and their loved ones do too. So when you say something negative about somebody that you're really just throwing out there because you don't like a decision they made. You're affecting a lot of people, and, and it causes stress and anxiety and hurt and pain 
And we've made the world a worse place with it. We have. People ought to be ashamed of the stuff that they write about the president, whether they like his policies or not, whether they voted for him or not. You know, the stuff we say, it matters. And we're teaching our kids that it's okay to, to make fun of people for their age or their way they speak or their weight or their medical, like, if it's okay to make fun of that when it's the president, it's okay to make fun of that when it's your next door neighbor. I see. And that's not okay. You know? Well, how we take this religious program into politics? See? We, we, we've <laughs> covered it did, all. This was your like, fault, man. <laughs> well, we've covered it all. What else do you want to cover? We're we talking about politics much longer. I'm going to get hit by a truck. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, you know, and that's why I ask me, so what's your next? I don't know. You know, I never wanted to be in politics because that growing up, I remember what it done to me. I remember the stress that it caused me. Believe it or not, it causes stress. You yeah. don't want your dad or your mom to get beat or lose or people say bad or things make, about Or make fun of, call your dad a crook. Yeah, like, right, right. You know, it doesn't matter if you're 10 years old. You're going to hear that. You hear it, you know. And so, but God's put me here for a reason. You know, my next step will be God-driven. Yeah. And uh, um, one more thing on that, and I'll just say this from my experience and what I do. It is funny how often I get criticized for the wrong things. The things that people criticize me for are almost always factually untrue or a misunderstanding. Right. And sometimes I want to call people and say, hey, you're spreading this about me. That's not true. Here's something worse if you want to actually have <laughs> right. a legit fight. Right. At, least, at least hit me where it counts. You that's know? right. You know, yeah, and that, that was the funny part about me. I'll tell a story on me. Uh, when I run for county commissioner, there's never been that I know of that I've been told an elected county commissioner from the city limits of Burns. I'm yeah. the first. And, and they keep us split up into three districts is why. Our oh, yeah. little town, they keep, you know, they keep White Bluff and they keep Becky out there on the county line, Hitman yeah. County. And we was always the city of Dixon, the Walnut Street district. It's mine because oh, yeah. it stops right past my house at the four-way stop. So actually, I don't, I'm not a, I'm a commissioner for the city of Dixon. Yeah. Basically. And anybody knows me. I don't hide it. You know, when, when I was running for office, uh, uh, I've been going through a divorce that took four years. Uh, hey, divorce is hard too. Don't ever. Yeah. Hey, you want to humble a man? Go through a divorce. Go through a divorce. Somebody you truly love and care about. That ain't hurt for anybody. Pain. No, it's not fun. And and, and you've married twenty six years. And hey, it's still you know, man, Angie's got a good spot now. But I mean, that's twenty. That's most over oh, half of my life that I, I is gone, and it's yeah. a loss. But so you do dumb things, you know. And but but get back to my story. Uh, I was running against a man that was very well, very established and good Christian man, retired from the military, retired from the state of Tennessee. He's over the Republican Party. Um, I, and I don't know how people label me as a Democrat. I'm not anything, but people label me as a liberal Democrat, and I don't understand that I own an armed guard security company. I'm a Christian. <laughs> I'm a bail bondsman. Uh I guess it's because of my social issues. I, yeah. I, I, my social view is, is I'm not judging anybody on this earth. I'm not going to stand before my maker and let Jesus say, you judged one of my children. It wasn't your job to judge one of my children. Yeah. Your job was to love and care about everyone. So I guess that gets me labeled as a liberal. But everything else, I'm mo probably the most conservative person yeah. around here. Anybody know that? Just, I, I don't get it. I'm probably the most conservative person that you're going to meet when it comes to everything else. But, but, after the election, my daughter come to me and she said, Daddy, I, I just don't get it. Because my ex-wife is on Facebook, bashing me every day. Because I had a girlfriend. Yeah. I was blessed by another baby during this divorce. <laughs> you know, three, four years into it. Right, She was pregnant when I had my wreck. You know, like I said, if you want to talk about a sinner, come see me. I, I put it out there for you. <laughs> and uh, she said, you just beat a man 
That's a well-known Christian in the Bible Belt District, what they call my district. That's the head of a Republican Party that's called a liberal Democrat that my mama was on Facebook every day bashing you. I said, everybody knew my life secret. If I didn't have no secrets. I mean, yeah. they put them all out there. You know what I'm if saying? I tell you, if I tell on myself, you can't hold that over my head. You can't blackmail me if right. I tell on myself. And yeah, Jesus talked about hypocrites. The only, yeah, there's only a couple ways not to be a hypocrite. All right. You can, you can avoid being a hypocrite if you're perfect. Not doing real good on that one. Right. You can avoid by being a hypocrite by having no standards whatsoever. Not real cool with that one. Or you can tell the truth about your own crap. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. I choose option three. Me too. Hey, you know, I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and all I can do is say I'm trying to learn. Yeah. I'm trying to learn to be a leader. I'm trying to learn to be a Christian. I'm trying to be learn to be a better person. And it, it's going to take 47, 48 years of doing things the wrong way. Yeah. And it's hard to change habit. You That's know? right. And, uh, but I'm trying. I'm trying. Well, Rusty, man, thanks for thanks for trying. Thanks for what you're doing in our community. And thanks for sharing this time with us and sharing our stories. Because, you know, there's such power in telling our stories and just saying, here's where I am. Here's what I've learned. And here's what I want to do better. Uh, and I'm just, I'm grateful that you'd share it, that you'd spend this time with me. And uh, we hadn't planned this a long time in advance. You and I ran into each other in the church parking lot yesterday. And we just got started talking. I'm like, I've got to ask you if you'll do this. Right, right. So this was super cool. Oh, I, I enjoy it, you Man, know, and, and like I said, way. this is one way I can, maybe I'm supposed to lead, you know, yeah, if this so. is God, God put you in my life, this way I look at God put you in my life yesterday, maybe somebody, somebody that, that needs to hear that, hey, it's real, Yeah, God's yeah. real, Absolutely. and there's a better home waiting, I'm, I'm proof, I felt it, I know Absolutely. it, I believe it, uh, heaven, it, we got a great life waiting us, <laughs> hey, let's get through this hell on earth the best we can, Absolutely. let's treat, let's treat each other the best we can, let's help our neighbor, Let's help our community, and uh, let's go. Let's go see something better. Let's do this. it, man. Let's, let's do it. it. All right. Well, friends, thanks for listening today. Uh, I hope you'll share this podcast with a friend. If you, uh, if you've got any questions uh, about all the political views uh, espoused, you need to call Rusty, not me. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> um, No, I'm, I'm with him on that one. So, uh, <laughs> thanks for listening. I hope you'll share it. And until next time, I can't wait to hear what God's up to in your story. Thanks for listening to Rough Drafts. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. While you're at it, help us spread the word by leaving a rating and review. Until next time, let's keep looking for how God writes His love into our stories.